Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, y'all. This is April. It's Thursday. Oh, it's Thursday. Happy Beer Day. National Beer Day. Well, today is National Beer Day. This is Caroline. Yeah, welcome National to, Beer welcome Day. Welcome to Bloody Happy Hour. Beer Day for us. It's a week after National Beer Day for y'all, but y'all can still celebrate with us. For sure. That's why we got some Modelo on the table. I open this, and it smells like straight marijuana. Chronic. Chronic. A little skunky for you. Yeah. I like the bitter beer. I it's like a it reminds me of fishing. Oh. <laughs> and Cinco de Mayo. Like love me some Modelo and I was like I can't be basic. I can't get yeah, like a you, basic mm-mm. beer. Nope. Which it's probably got the same amount of alcohol, but I mean it's Modelo. So, cheers. Oh, cheers. Oh. Clink <laughs> clink clink clink. I have the easy job today, er- uh Erica. Erica? I don't, I don't, I don't oh, even know. I'm Erica. I'll be Erica today. Caroline. Didn't you almost call me that before? <laughs> yes. I no. do have a best friend named Erica, so maybe that's it. She listens every morning. Hey, Erica. Oh, and I called you Rachel. You did. <laughs> I've been called Rachel my whole life. Weird. I don't, I don't know, know why. why. I don't know why either. I don't understand. Maybe I will remind them of Jen- Jennifer Aniston off Friends. That must that, be it. I think, I think that's, that's for it. sure it. That's I it. was going to say that, but I don't want to be the only one that <laughs> said that. No, I don't want to fit me. Exactly, exactly. Or her. <laughs> um, let me first address my missing white woman. Now, I talked about this last week, which it already became old news because that's like double three days news. later, which was like four days ago, she was found in a shallow grave in a barn in Alabama at her at her ex's. ex-boyfriend's her, which is her baby daddy. Uh-huh. And now this is the whole story cuz I was it was there were some pieces that were missing, but she was going to do the custody exchange with her ex-boyfriend which is her baby daddy. The baby daddy had the kid and she was going to pick up the kid. Now they usually meet in like a Walmart parking lot to he just showed a butt farting. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually he really likes good to distract us. He's really good. He's an artist too. He is an Mike's artist. Multi talented. Oh my gosh, that was so good. I've drew a dog the other day, and it was the worst dog I've ever drawn. It was like a stick. It looked like a cat. It was awful. I erased it. I scribbled it out with chalk. Anyways, so they meet. They typically meet up in the Walmart parking lot to do their custody exchange, and it's like several miles from her house. Well, then he was like, "Hey, let's meet up in this other parking lot, which was just like a mile down from where she was living. Okay. She was living at the time with her dad." So I didn't realize that that was a thing, like that you have to meet in a public place to do a custody switch. Because I was like, "If you're that scared of, do or you like, have to do that?" I apparently. Or maybe Some people they just do. Chose to maybe that's well, like an easy medium point. Medium I don't know, point. but it was it was always something that they they were like intentionally meeting um, in a public place with people around. She's because, of them. but I'm like, if you're scared of him, then you're let. I mean, you gotta let your child go with that person who you're already scared of. But I guess you don't have papers. a. I know that's just. I didn't. I just never realized that part was like a issue. So they ended up meeting at this, like, it's like, um, I compared it to, like, Slippery Minnow, just like a place that's out on the water, and it's right by a boat ramp, and it's a place where there's, like, live music, and it's a restaurant Uh also, but it's out on the water, so there's cameras and stuff. So, anyways, they meet up there, and then... I thought you just said it was a Walmart. No, I said they typically meet up at the Walmart. Oh, but they they met at Slippery Minnow But he offered... To meet up at a location that was closer to her house. Okay, sorry. Pay attention. I know it's the Modelo. So, 
I got the air on today. Uh-oh. Look at that. So, anyways, she was like taking a long time. The dad, her dad, was like, "Well, where is she?" Starts texting her. Anyways, the boyfriend ends up texting the dad, and it's like uh, she wanted me to drop her off in the middle of nowhere. So, like, it's crazy. And they, that's when they start getting, they're like, okay, that's they knew. weird. And they got suspicious texts from her phone. And it was just a few days later and she was found. And so he's been arrested for, like, just being dishonest with the police or uh, misleading the police in a missing person's investigation. And I'm, I don't know if they have brought the murder charges yet. Yeah. But there's a lot that still have, that is yet to be released, so. But can you believe it? That's so awful. I never would have thought she would, thought she would just return. She was just a missing white woman for just a few days. They never return, and it's always the ex. (sighs) Speaking of never returning. You want to hear about Ellen Greenberg? Sure. What a transition that was. (laughs) Okay, so last week we talked about Jelani Day. Yes. There was another case that I found that was very similar to his. Okay. But I wasn't doing him because I had to do a white woman. Okay. Even though this isn't a missing white woman, but this is a kind of a similar case with, like, law enforcement where they, like, try to brush it. Like, they tried to, I feel like. Close it. The, the, close the, it. the boyfriend was well-connected in, like, political situation. Like, he had an uncle that was, like, a. DA, mm-hmm. so that kind of helped them rule this case how they ruled it. Okay, well tell us about okay, it. Okay, so January 26, 2011, it's in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 27-year-old first grade teacher Ellen Ray Greenberg had just got back to her apartment. There was a snowstorm that day, so they had early release from school, and she gets back to the apartment, and that's where her and her fiance Sam Goldberg live. Well, Ellen um, was like, "This is great! Like, it's the end of the year, or it's what was it? It was the beginning of the year." So she was about to have to start turning like grades in, and she was recently engaged, and so she was a little bit stressed about a lot of things. But it was like, okay, get a little extra time today because I don't have to do a whole day of school. So. Sam and her are both at the apartment, and he goes down to the fitness center, and he goes to work out. Okay. So it's about 30 minutes goes by, and Sam finishes his workout. Must have been a quick workout. And he comes back up to the apartment. But he tries to open the door, and it's locked. Now, it's not just like the deadbolt, because, you know, obviously he has a key. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's like one of those like hotel locks, oh, like the a latch swing lock, thing. like a latch yeah. thing. Yeah. So he opens it and he gets caught with the swing lock. And he's like, oh, this is very strange. Why am I getting locked out with a swing lock? So he was like, starts banging on the door and is like calling out her name. No response. He starts calling her. No answer. Mm-hmm. And then... He starts texting her, like, these texts are getting pretty frantic, and here are some of the texts. He just is over and over and over. He says, hello, open the door. What are you doing? I'm getting pissed. Hello, you better have an excuse. He's texting her this. Yes. Okay. What the fuck? Ah, you have no idea. Okay, those are all of his texts over and over. Once again, he gets no response. So he goes to find a security guard, and he's, like, asking if they have some kind of tool to help them, like, unlock the door, unlock the swing lock from the outside. And the guy's like, no, we don't have any tool like that. And then Sam heads back up to the apartment without the security guard. Now, Sam would go on to tell the police that... He went back up to the apartment and had the security guard with him. Now, remember this because this will come back in a little bit. Okay. So, Sam's alone by himself, goes back up to the apartment, and he just forces the door open. So, he, like, breaks through it. Oh. But, you know, that lock, it just 
stayed on the door. Like you didn't break it off of the door. How do you break through the swing lock and the door, you know, and it, it, I get into this a little bit later too. Okay. So he, you know, does like a shoulder, you know. But he's a, he breaks through he's, and he's able to get in. He's able to force his way in. Okay. So it's been about a, an hour total at this point. And he finds Ellen sitting in the upright position against the kitchen cabinets. And she's unresponsive. Hmm. So he calls 911. Oh, let's hear it. And here is the call. I just, I just walked to my apartment. My fiance is on the floor with blood everywhere. What is the address? 4601 Flat Rock Road. Please come help 40 now. 4601 Flat Rock Road. Is this a house or apartment? Oh, oh no. Oh, oh no. It's an apartment. What apartment number? Please hurry, Where please. She's bleeding from. She, I don't know. I can't tell. She's. No. So you have to calm yourself down in order to get you some help. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. She, I don't know, I, I'm looking oh, at her right did. now. <laughs> she, I don't, I can't see anything. She doesn't, there's nothing broken. She's bleeding. Ellie. You don't know where she's bleeding from, can't Ellie. What's coming from? It's, I think her head. I think she hit her head, I think. I think but it's, it's everywhere. Okay, it's everywhere. She might have fallen. Do you know yeah. what happened? I, she, she, she may have slipped. There's blood on the, on the table. Her, her face is a little purple. Okay, hold on for rescue for her. Stay on the phone. Philadelphia Fire Department 842, what's the address? No, uh, 4601 Flat Rock Road, please hurry. 4601 Flat Rock? Yes. What's wrong? My, my, I just, my, I went downstairs to go work out, I came back up, the door was lashed. My fiance's inside, she wasn't, she wasn't answering, so after about a half hour, I decided to break it down. I see her now, just on the floor, with blood, she's not, she's not responding. Okay, is she breathing? She, I, Look at her chest. I need you to calm down, and I need you to look at her chest. It's really I don't think she is. I really listen don't think she is. Listen to me. Someone's on the way. Look at her chest. Is she flat on her back? <laughs> She's on her back. So okay, I her. Look at her chest and tell me if it's going up and down, up and down. I don't see her moving. Okay, do you know how to do CPR? I don't. Okay, I can tell you what to do, okay, until they get there. I want you to keep her flat Oh, on God. Her Hello? Yeah, hi, okay. Are you willing to do CPR with me over the phone so they can I, get I, I have to, right? Okay, so get her flat on her back, bare her chest, okay? You want to rip her shirt off. Okay, kneel down by her side. Oh, my God. Ellie, please. Listen, listen, you can't freak out, sir, because you Okay, I'm trying not to, I'm trying not to. Her shirt won't come off, it's a zipper. Rip oh, my off. God, she stabbed herself. Where? She oh. fell on the knife. Oh, no, her knife's sticking out. Her uh, what? There's a knife sticking out of her heart. Oh, she stabbed herself? I, I guess so. I don't know where she fell on it. I don't know. Okay, well, don't touch it. Okay, so, so I'm just about to let her down. Here now, I mean, what do I do? No, uh, I mean, you can't. If the knife is at her chest, it's going to be kind of hard <laughs> for you to do CPR. No, sir. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Come oh, switch operator. 277. Is All someone right, coming here? Yes, they are. You said 4601 Flat Rock, right? Yes. Okay, someone's on the way, and the knife is still inside? Which or what? The knife is still inside of her? Yes, I didn't take it out. Is it her chest or what area? It's, it's in her heart. chest. It's like, it looks like it's right. It looks like it's right in her heart. Okay, someone's on the way out there. Okay, just get... Oh, my door. God. Oh, my God. How okay. old is she? She's 27. 27. Oh. And there's no sign of life at all? No, 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 please don't be. What? Then turn to her arm and tell me she responds to pain. She's. Ellie! She's not, she's not. Her arm and her hands are still warm. I don't know what that means. But there's blood everywhere. I mean. I know, but you can't. And the knife is still inside of her. How far? Can you see how far it went in? It looks pretty deep. Okay. It looks three, and it's a long knife. Don't touch anything. Yeah, don't uh, touch anything, okay? I'm not touching anything. This is re I can't believe this, though. No, wait, it was just you there with her? We, yeah, we're the only ones here. And she ran in the door, you said, latched it shut? No, no, I, I, I went downstairs to work out, mm -hmm. and I, when I came back up, the door was latched. 
Like it was, you know, it wasn't like it was, you know, it was locked from the inside, and I'm yelling. And I saw some well, you know, was yelling and yelling. No, 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 no. So there's no sign of a break-in. No, no sign of a break-in at all. I mean, there will be when you get here because I had to break the latch, but to get in. Okay, forty-six zero one Flat Rock, and this is a house, right? It's an apartment. Flat Rock apartment. Okay, that'll help. Oh my God! Oh my God! All right, thank okay. you. Mm-hmm. Bye. He seems so genuinely concerned. Tell me your thoughts. He stabbed her while he was on the phone with her. <laughs> while he was on the phone with her? With I mean, with 911. Because he didn't mention that stabbing for the first, what, two minutes, three minutes. Oh, my and gosh, then, she stabbed. And really? And then he, she said, do 911. And he was like, oh, wait, there's a knife. There's Honey. a knife. I think he's, because he would have mentioned it. This is the knife. This this knife is not a little pocket knife. This is like a steak knife. Yeah, it's a kitchen knife. Okay, so if you're here sitting over there against the wall, you would see I'm it. pretty sure I'm going to see the knife. That should have been part of the initial reason. First he was like, oh, I'm bleeding. I can't tell. It's from the head. But now all of a sudden you see a knife. And it made, wasn't under her shirt. And he made sure to give his alibi over and over. And over and over and, and over. over. But I'm pretty sure he didn't go to jail. Well, hmm. so are we keeping these on? I don't know. I'll keep them on. So now on this call, Sam tells the operators that she was lying on her back. Which she wasn't because she was slouched against the, the cabinets. So I don't know why he said she's laying on her back. Because how could she be? Um, she was up against the cabinet. Like she was sitting upright. Like yeah. The, or slouched over or whatever. So, and like we just said, didn't have the knife stick. How did he not see the knife? Yeah. And so this knife was, she was stabbed with a 10-inch serrated knife. And it was jammed several, like it said, it was like 10 centimeters. So according to Joe Scott Morgan, who's one of my favorite um, podcasts to listen to, Body Bags. Okay. He said, if you take like a dollar bill out and like you look at it and from the very left up until like George Washington's head, like that's how far it was stabbed in her. Like four inches. Okay. That's a good visual. Yeah. I'm pretty visual. So it was, that's how far it was stabbed in her, and she had been stabbed 20 times. <sighs> 10 of those were punctures found on her neck. She had rips and tears in her shirt that matched up with the stab wounds on her chest. There was blood on her head, her neck, her hands, her clothes, but nowhere else in the apartment. And nothing that there was nothing that paramedics could do to save her. Like, she was pronounced dead at the scene at 640. Wow. And this call was at 630. So according to detectives from the Philadelphia Police Department, everything else in the apartment was clean. There was no sign of an intruder. There was no forced entry. So she obviously stabbed herself 20 times. There was no evidence of a struggle. She had no defensive wounds. And she had no cuts on her hands or her wrists. So they also noted that there were no valuables taken. Nothing was missing from the apartment. And um, on the medical examiner, on the Emmy's report, the, on the inside lock on the door, that latch, it was not broken off, just the screws were loose. So the screws that screw it onto the wall yeah. or whatever, those were just loose. So. Basically, I watched some videos on YouTube, and I watched a dude, like, try to do it. And when he just barely, like, went through the door, it took off half of the door panel. Yeah. It took off the whole lock. Yeah. So, I don't know how you can do that. It's a little suspicious. He unscrewed him. Yep. And another thing that they find is some prescription medication um, on... That was, that was just in the other room, prescribed to Ellen by a psychiatrist that she had been seeing. And st- these prescriptions were Ambien and Clonopin. So Ambien's a sleep aid. Clonopin is for anxiety. Okay. Um, and the police 
corroborated Sam's story through the timing. They looked through, like, they woman looked with through. light skin tone. They looked through. What did they just say? <laughs> did say who my phone call? Casey's calling. <laughs> Should we put her on the podcast? It said call from a woman oh. with a light skin tone. What does that? Why did she say it like that? Um, you're on the podcast. Would you like to speak? Hi, Casey. You, oh my gosh! You are, you are already a, recording. Yeah, we and, are. And, you and, just oh, interrupted. You better tell us something very scientific. Tell us something psychologists tell people. <laughs> Everything you say is confidential. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Damn it! I know. Though there are, you know, there are some limits to that, but you know, you got to make people feel um, comfortable. <sighs> she already made me feel comfortable and, saying that, and vulnerable. You know, I don't like yeah. That. Okay. Well, I'll let you get back to your thing. Did you have a reason for calling, Casey? Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Is it very important? No, not any, not anything in particular. Does Caroline need a babysit? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> As, she might not ever come over to my house after what she witnessed last night. It's just a little terrible, Chucky. But you know. Oh. You know, he just had that surgery on his head, so we talked about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she can fill you in. Okay. Hey. <laughs> All right, y'all have fun. Bye. Bye. Can you put it on real? Do not just. I, it is. I don't know how it. How she it, must be your favorite. I don't have a thing. I don't have anybody allowed. Why did it say a call from a woman with light skin tone? Because she has the, a little emoji person, so it described the emoji. Why person. did it say her name? I don't know how that works. <laughs> like, see that little emoji yeah. lady. That is random. That's funny. Because sometimes it'll be like, call from dark skin tone faced April. <laughs> <laughs> Mexican. Hold on. Call Mexican you. African. <laughs> Wait, I don't know what's this next is why to you. I can't get shit done. Do I have some? I probably don't have anything. No, I don't know what you have. No, okay. We need to get back to the story. I forgot who we were talking about. What's your name? Like, do it now. See what it does. Maybe it won't come through because. Um, well, I'll do not I don't know how. Well, I don't know. Oh, wait, but I'm not connected. It don't matter. April pulling bearded woman with light skin tone. <laughs> bearded woman? Why do I have a beard? <laughs> I found that one today. With light skin tone. <laughs> I gotta put one on you now. I'm gonna put. I'm surprised I'm not bloody. I like a knife with a blood stain and a wine glass. Because if you have multiple ones, I'm glad I have light skin tone. I'm gonna now. I'm gonna have to put multiple ones so then we can do it again. Okay, this is so fun. I don't even know where we were, but I think I can figure it out. We're talking about the door latch. Oh, so the police were cooperating. Yeah, that's a hard word to say. Sam's story based on text messages and phone calls and her phone and his phone. And they talked to the neighbors. The neighbors said they hadn't heard anything unusual. There was, like, surveillance cameras. But they were only in the lobby. They weren't in the hallway leading up to the door where she where they live. So it didn't capture anything suspicious. And there's only one other entrance, entrance into their apartment, which is through this, like, balcony sliding door. Well, they live on the sixth floor, so... And it had been snowing, and so there was, like, it, it was, nothing was disturbed. So, basically, they're concluding that there was nobody who came and entered the room that was, like, uh, like not supposed to be there. There was no intruder. Yeah. Uh, there was no footprints. And the only DNA that police found in the apartment or on the knife was Ellen's. Well, oh. Her, her glove. So, before I go any further, let me quickly introduce you to Ellen and Sam. Let me, tell you, let me tell you a little bit about Ellen. So Ellen is the only child. Her, her parents, Sandy and Josh, and she is, you need to look up a picture of her. Just look her up, Ellen Greenberg. You sent, her, you sent it to me earlier. She's very beautiful. She has a wonderful smile. She is very lovely. She's beautiful. Great smile. She, her smile is her whole face. I'm kind of jealous. So she was confident, she was fun, she's outgoing, and guess what else she was, April? Um, bubbly. Kinda, oh. If anybody else describes the, their victim as bubbly, bubbly, I can't. 
So I just wanted to let you know right now, if I get murdered, you please would be do bubbly. not describe me as bubbly. She might have been bubbly, but I feel like it's literally in every description. Don't you? Yeah, and I already got Sam's picture up too. Oh, is he bubbly? Mm-mm. Well, one thing that Ellen was known for was she would have a way of bringing people together from like two different worlds. So like high school friends, college friends, she would just bring them all together and then they would be friends. And so that was just one of her great qualities. So she graduated from Penn State with a communications major. She originally wanted to be a speech speech pathologist what she has that in common with does Jelani? everybody want to be a speech pathologist but then she changed her mind she was like no i don't want to do that all the too hard yeah a hard program so then she went to temple university and she got her teaching certificate okay so she went on to teach in the philadelphia school system and she was a first grade teacher and sam this is, it's always confusing because his name is San, Sam Goldberg. And, Jewish. And, and they're Greenberg. Greenberg. They're both Jewish. They are Jewish. I know. You can what tell a, by Berg. Berg? Usually if their last name's Berg, they're Jew. Wow. Or of Jewish descent. Why did, did you, you learn know? something? I did. I got a wrinkle in my brain. How did you know that? I've never known that. Wrestler Goldberg told me. Okay, well, that's great, because that is right, because they talked about their Shiva thing that they did. That's why they had their funeral within, like, two days. Yes, I learned that on a podcast, too. They have to be buried within a certain amount of hours or days, according to their Jewish beliefs. Wow. Oh, my gosh. We are becoming so smart right now. I need to take a break from being so smart. Okay, so they, um, so Sam was a TV producer for NBC Sports, and they met in 2007. They met on a blind date. She was real thirsty for some Sam, and she was, like, head over heels. Okay. So they moved in together after, like, two years, and then in 2010, um, Sam proposed, and they were planning their wedding for August 2011. Okay, so they didn't even move too quick, or they usually no. do. That's good timing, good no. timeline. Yeah. So, at the time of her death, Ellen's career was blossoming. I mean, she was teaching. Her students loved her. She had a supportive family. She had a fiancé. She was in the midst of planning a wedding, which I don't know if... You think planning a wedding is fun, but I wouldn't think it's fun. But, I mean, some people think it's fun. That's why I had a destination wedding. (laughs) So did you. (laughs) But according to Ellen's parents, she was having some work-related anxiety issues. And she had become overwhelmed with her classroom, which um, Um, I could tell you that probably is easy. It can easily happen, right? What do you think? Yes. I mean, especially first graders. Yes. I did do some substitute teaching. Oh, so I forgot you're a pro. I'm kind of a pro, but I need to go back for like a day and then I'll remember. Um, and she was starting to kind of feel like insecure and not very sure of herself, which was not normal of her personality because she was always very confident. So Ellen's mom would later tell police that she had been struggling with something, quote unquote. And she had recently talked to her mom, and she had expressed that she wanted to temporarily move back to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and move in with her parents. Okay. I don't know if it was move in with them or just, I don't, I mean, what? Or move back. I don't know. Because, like, with Sam, without Sam, I don't know. So her parents were, like, kind of surprised because they didn't really know what was going on. And they were like, maybe she's just real stressed with wedding planning. And then she's stressed with teaching. And, you know, I don't know. And Ellen, like, assured her parents that it had nothing to do with Sam. And it was everything was just work-related. Okay. So her parents weren't, like, super – they were never concerned about Sam. They always, like, they thought he was great from the beginning. And they – 
she never mentioned any physical or verbal abuse. Like there was no mention of that. Um, he'd never had, she had never expressed any thoughts of like suicidal thoughts or taking her own life. Like neither one of those things. Yeah. But Ellen and her parents had agreed that, hey, before you like decide to make any kind of a move, maybe go like see somebody or talk to somebody and just get off, like just go see a psychiatrist or a psychologist. They told her that. Yeah. They agreed that that's what she would go do before like moving back home or whatever she wanted to do. Because they didn't want her to just make this rash decision without like really thinking oh, about it. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. So she eventually went to see a psychiatrist, and this uh, is Dr. Ellen Berman, and she went to see her about three times, and originally she prescribed her with Ambien, Clonopin, and Xanax. Damn, first meeting? Or something, yeah. But, but then she didn't like, or maybe it was Ambien and Xanax. She didn't like the Xanax, and then they gave her Clonopin. Okay. So she was only on two medications. Those are big deal medications. Sleeping and anxiety. Yeah. I mean. You, t- you have those in your system right now. I mean, I don't have Ambien <laughs> or Clonopin. I maybe have other versions. But last, she was taking them as prescribed. Last episode, you said you had weed. Oh. <laughs> what else was caffeine? Oh, drug. <laughs> drug store. A <laughs> oh, person would be like, what is wrong with her? So, you know, she was taking them as prescribed, so she was not abusing them. But, you know, pharmaceutical. Pharmaceutical's got a pharmaceutical. Yeah. So, uh, these drugs, however, do have side effects that include suicidal thoughts. Which, I mean, if you see those commercials, most of them do. Yeah. You're going to have diarrhea and you're going to have suicidal thoughts. Okay. Okay. So... Or I'd be like blind in an eye or something. Yeah. You know, um, or start walking backwards. I don't know. Oh, uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Dr. Berman made her evaluation and she had even noted that like Ellen was not suicidal. Like anytime she came in and she seemed like she would talk about Sam, she would smile. She seemed like she seemed like she was doing good. It was just all of work related stuff. Um, but one thing that Ellen's dad had noticed about like that had changed about Ellen is that she had she was having a hard time making decisions and typically that wasn't normal of her she would start saying oh let me let me check with Sam or let me run that by Sam first or let me see what he thinks about it and just so he was controlling yeah so that kind of worried that's maybe what they thought maybe this is this is when her this anxiety started to come on So, back at the apartment, police would conclude that Ellen was alone in her apartment with the door locked from the inside. There was no defensive wounds. Sam had remained at the scene and was cooperative with police. And by that night, police concluded that Ellen died, take a guess, of suicide. Suicide! Well, I can't say he was a white Protestant male because he was a white Jewish, Jewish male. <laughs> so he still got the benefit of a doubt. But April, was there a suicide note? No. Mm-mm. No, April, did they do an autopsy yet? <gasps> did they? Nope. Were all the stab wounds only on the chest or were they other places? Is it coming? I might have saw a picture. Yeah. Do you remember that picture? Did you just look at it? Yeah. Listen, I know. In the back of the head? Oh, so she stabbed herself 20 times in the chest and Try to, can you do and that? in the back of the head. Go like that. Can't. You couldn't do it. I mean, I could do it with all those medicines and drugs I've taken, maybe. <laughs> no. But, like, okay, this is what, this is, this is it. The day after her death, Assistant Philadelphia Medical Examiner, Dr. Marlon Osborne. Dr. Osborne. You're going to hear his name a lot. He began the autopsy. And what he found would... 
completely changed the course of this investigation. Come on. Eight wounds to her chest, ranging from puncture wounds that are just 0.2 centimeters deep, which is super shallow, like a prick of a pencil, a tip of a pencil, to four-inch plunge, which was the one that was still embedded in her. Okay. Okay. A two-inch stab wound to her stomach, a a two-and-a-half-inch gash across her scalp, ten wounds from, like, nicks that were two to three inches deep on the back of her neck. So there was a bunch of little nicks on her neck. And then in addition, there was nicks on her neck and nicks on her chest. Like, it's just like you're poking yourself with it. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of suicide that would be, no. but that's has there ever been a documented suicide? That never, no. never. Okay, so there also were eleven bruises in various stages of healing. Oh, on her right arm, her abdomen, and her left leg, which would mean that they have been there for a while. Yeah, yeah. Several of these wounds, like I said, were some were nicks, some were deeper. The final blow was the one that killed her, the one that was in her chest, in her heart, as Sam said on the call. And that was the knife that was still inside of her. And then Dr. Osborne concludes that 19 of the wounds, plus the large gas, gas, gash, um, all of those were done by her, I guess. What? Damn like, it, I was going to really believe in Dr. Osborne. Born. No, he said the strange part. No, take that part out. Okay. How far are we on that? Well, Osborne concludes that all of these 19 plus 1, all these 20, were like the strange part was about it was that the, the one that was in her stomach was a 5-inch serrated blade, a 5-inch handle, but then, but then in... One of the reports, it said it was a smooth blade or something. So there's already some contradictions on whether it's serrated or not. But at the end of the autopsy, Osborne determined the manner of death to be... Please be homicide. Homicide. Thank you, Oz. Now, this is probably not the best news for the police because they they basically walked in... To the apartment, was like, oh, suicide, bye, and left. Wait, was this Hewitt police that went to Matt yes. Baker's scene? Yes. Probably was. Yes, it was Hewitt, and it was some, where else were they? And probably some of that Peru, Illinois. Peru police, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take my, my weed beer. <laughs> so, relatives of Sam, which would be his uncle and his cousin, called the apartment property manager to ask if they could go inside the apartment to get some stuff for Sam for the funeral, like clothes and pictures. Because now it's it's a crime scene. Yeah, and this is, like, this, you know, this all is super fast happening because, you know, the funeral is just two days after she died, so this is, like, the day after. Okay? Wow. I hope Jews don't believe in cremation. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. This beer... (sighs) Keeping it in. <laughs> okay. So they go to the apartment there. The property manager is like, um, I don't really know if y'all can go in there. I mean, there's like, it's not even cleaned. Like, so she calls the, or the property manager calls the police. It's like, is this okay if they come in and like go get whatever they need? Police are like, oh yeah, no problem. It's not a crime scene. Oh. Go for it. Yeah. Oh, this is before it was a crime scene. Yeah. Okay. So then the he was like, okay, well, I guess I'll call Molly Maids or whoever to come over here and <laughs> get my fabuloso out and <laughs> clean it up. So crime scenes to go or whatever they're called comes in and they clean it up. And then Sam's relatives were able to go in and get get whatever they needed, get some clothes and pictures. But you know what? Guess what they ended up getting? Oh, let me tell you. They got Ellen's engagement ring. They got her handbag. They got her car keys. They got two of her computers. She had two laptops. They got both of those and her cell phone. Uh, Why they need all that? No funeral clothes. <laughs> wow. 
So on January 28th, two days after she died, police issue a search warrant because now they're like, oh no, it's a homicide. Because the examiner realized that it was. So they issue the search warrant and they're like, well, um, we actually just had this place cleaned. So I don't know what you're going to find, but let's just go look anyways. So there's not going to be much evidence, obviously. Um, But... A couple of days even after that, the authorities make an announcement to the media saying that they are still treating Ellen's death as suspicious and evidence regarding her mental issues have surfaced and now they are leaning towards suicide. Oh, God. Just because she's on some Xanax. Yeah. But it's really because Sam's uncle is like a district attorney or some shit. Oh, well, you didn't even scoop that. Well, I'm about to scoop it. I tried to scoop it earlier. Well, that's literally my next line. The day (laughs) after the funeral, Sam's uncle, who at the time was a prominent Philadelphia attorney, brought brought detectives the laptops and the cell phones. That After had been he cleaned them. That had been taken to the apartment, and by this time, investigators had spoken to Ellen's psychiatrist, Doctor Berman, who gave them information that I talked about earlier about her medications and her anxiety issues. And so, when investigators are looking into the medications that were in her system, they notice that what's on the list, of, or what's the side effects of these medications, is suicidal Suicide. thoughts and behavior that has potential side effects, which only like. This only, like, helps the police's theory because for some reason they are just really wanting it to be a suicide. I know. know. So they're wanting to say that Ellen did this to herself, which I don't know how you could do that to yourself because also, according to Joe Scott Morgan, is whenever you try to even, like, think about a paper cut. If I get a paper cut, I mean, it stings and it hurts real bad. Yeah. So he says the pain receptors are so intense. Like in an area like this, like you would have to be going through, like you're like, I want this pain. Like you're, if you're a cutter, like if you're going to commit suicide, you're going to cut your wrists or cut your neck. Yeah. Why would you just poke your neck in the back? Yeah. In the back. No, no. no. Did I mention these were in the back of the neck? (laughs) Just want to make sure I did. So, yeah. Dr. Osborne noted that during the autopsy, there was a cut to Ellen's dura. What is that? It's next to the medulla oblongata. No, it's not. Where is it? The dura is the protective covering around the spinal cord. I. This is a big part of this case. Like, this is like a big part of this case. So, what he wasn't sure of is whether her spinal cord itself had been injured, which is a big deal because if the spinal cord was injured by the stab wound to the back of the neck, she would have been able to... Would she have been able to keep stabbing herself? Yeah. No. not. So, if she was, like, incapacitated, then clearly someone else would have had to, like, deliver the blow to her chest. Okay. So, if she... Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the detectives suggest that they hire an outside neuropathologist... Okay. To look at a portion of Ellen's spinal cord. So Dr. Osborne takes a portion of the spinal cord. I guess you just travel this. You just carry around spinal cord in your purse. Yeah, probably. If you're a neuropathologist, I guess you do. It's normal. Yeah. I think I might have one in my bag, but I'll leave it there. Um, so they take this spinal cord, or he takes it to this Dr. Lucy Rourke, Rourke, Rourke Adams. Lucy Rourke Adams, who's a consultant for the medical examiner's office. So Dr. Osborne says that Dr. Rourke Rourke Adams 
did a quick informal exam and just was like, oh, yeah, do to do, just double check, like, oh, yeah, that's right, and determined that there was no defect to the spinal cord. So she confirmed that the dura was cut. Okay. And while she may lose some feeling or she may go numb, she won't lose function. Okay. Okay. So that didn't help anything. Right. So this Rourke Adams lady confirmed kind of what he was saying, right? Whenever I say it, I have to make sure it makes sense. Like you hear it, right? Yeah. So... It's rare that the police department disagrees with the medical examiner's office. Of course. Uh, About the manner of death. So Dr. Osborne goes and visits with... I think Rorick Adams goes to the same synagogue as the Goldbergs. Yeah. Probably. Which Goldberg? I already forgot which one's Goldberg. What's Sam Sam? Goldberg? Yeah. And Greenberg. Yeah. See, I've already confused myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're probably right. Because... Oh, just wait till you hear about what happens later with Rourke Adams. Okay. Uh, so they hold him. Okay. So there's a meeting that's held in um, the office to discuss Ellen's case. It's two police officers, Dr. Osborne, and then the chief medical examiner, which is this other person named Sam Galino, and also a representative from Philadelphia District Attorney's Office. They're all in this little meeting, secret meeting. No idea... None of them know when this meeting took place. It's not documented anywhere. Dr. Osborne is like, I didn't set it up. And then the chief medical examiner is like, well, I didn't set it up. So it's real suspicious about this meeting. Apparently, this meeting was held in effort to change the manner of death from homicide to suicide. Because it hasn't been changed back yet. The officers had that conference when they said that they thought they had enough evidence to change it back. Mm-hmm. So then when when Osborne ruled it homicide, they were like, mm, yeah, yeah, that's not okay. what Goldbergs want. So they had this meeting, and then the strange part is that Dr. Osborne says up until this point, he's never met with police like in the DA's office to talk about changing someone's manner of death from homicide is like he's never had he's never like you just don't do that i guess yeah maybe we can talk to a medical examiner um and in this meeting one of the things that police say was that they have something interesting to share that helps prove that ellen had to have committed suicide what is that Oh, remember earlier when I told you that Sam told the police that the security officer came up to the room with him while he forced his way in the door? Uh-huh. That's what they are saying is their hard evidence. Is that they saw Sam kick in the door? Is that Sam told them oh, that told he them. had the security guard with him and they broke through it, through the door, and the security guard was with them? Where'd the security guard say? The security guard never... He comes and he tells them later on that he he says, no, I didn't. I wasn't oh. with them. Okay. But the police are going based on what Sam said, even though they actually do know at this point that that's, that not, guy, true. That, that, that's not true. Just why do they want to close the case? Oh, daddy's a DA. Okay. Yep. So, um, with... Okay, well, this is what police are telling Dr. Osborne. Yeah, this is what they're telling Dr. Osborne in order for him to change his ruling. Okay. Well, I guess they must have slipped him some dollar bills or something because within a week, March 2011, Dr. Osborne changed the manner of death back to suicide. Man, I have no faith in him. Ellen's parents did not even find out until they heard it on the news. Media reports. Wow. So they find this out and they are just like, WTF. Yes. This is crazy. So 
They they eventually the parents find out the extent of her injuries and they are like we're just going to take this case into our own hands and we're going to do this. We're going to they got copies of the autopsy, copies of the crime scene photos, they got the medical examiner's investigation reports and they get the help of one of the most famous, most well-known forensic pathologists in America, for real. Ooh. Dr. Cyril H. Wecht. Okay. So he's also worked on the John Bonet case. Okay. It's it's W E A W E C H T. Wecht. Okay. Well, I don't have much faith in him if he worked on the John Bonet case. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> well, he's real famous. So a year okay. That they get him, he starts working on stuff. Takes a while, you know. The year goes by. Damn. I know. So it's January 2012, and then he shares his findings with the family, and in his report, he states that there were multiple stab wounds to the back of Ellen's neck and her head, and that they were not likely self-inflicted, especially the ones that were in different directions. He said that victims rarely stab themselves through their clothing. Instead, they will pull up their clothing and they'll stab themselves. I don't know, I've never stabbed myself, <laughs> but they'll pull their clothing up. And in his opinion, he said that Ellen's manner of death is strongly suspicious of homicide. You think? You think? Well, I could have told you that. And I'm definitely not a medical examiner and I didn't work the JonBenet case. So, now her parents are feeling validated. They're like, finally, somebody is actually saying what we know is true. And they're hoping that this report can help them get Ellen's case reopened. And then they find a lawyer, Walter Cohen. And he is a former attorney general in Pennsylvania. Now, he takes on this case pro bono. Well, good job. And then they also have a private investigator that they've hired. Well, yeah, Tom Grennan is this guy. He's been in law enforcement for like over 25 years. And he's like expert he also joins the case so then tom suggests that ellen might have been killed by what's called a blitz attack now a blitz attack is whenever a victim is caught by surprise and they don't have a chance to defend themselves which would explain why she has no defensive wounds yeah so sandy and josh which which are the parents they then file a public records request for police for the police case file and but the police won't release the records they're only allowed to go look at the records. I don't okay. know. I don't know what all this means. Yeah. But I'm not going to yeah. So they don't know what they're looking for. And they're like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing going here looking up these records. So they just kind of come to a lull and start hitting roadblocks. I'm like, man, y'all just had all these people say all these things. And now you're at these roadblocks. Well, it is what it is. In 2015, the case was brought back to the attention of... Um, a Philadelphia homicide prosecutor named Guy Deandra. Okay. So he agreed to take a look at the case, and he goes through the evidence very thoroughly, and he suggests that the investigation was not treated on scene as a homicide. No. And now a word from our sponsors. So then they, yeah, they're like, he said, they basically showed up. They said it was a suicide and left. So this is when he comes across video footage that shows the security guard never went upstairs to help Sam with the door. Oh, yes. And so he also finds dozens of videos online that show you ways that you can unlock lock that type of like hotel locking mechanism from the outside by using like a credit card or a hanger or you can just slam it as hard as you can shut and it'll like pop it open he said all these different various ways that you can lock that unlock the door plus he said like i said earlier the lock was hardly damaged i don't even think it was latched i think he just made that up yeah yeah easily so yeah like i said you can yeah so Basically, he sees significant flaws in the way this case was handled. Okay. So do we all. 
So, remember Rourke Adams? Yeah. Okay, how can you forget? She went to church with... Yeah. Synagogue. She went to synagogue. Oh, it's not called church. (laughs) Um, So, one other thing that Guy noticed whenever he was looking through her file was that there was no neuro... Neuropathy? Neuropathy? Mm -hmm. Neuropolithal? No. Neuropathy? Whatever. There was no... That report... And this report was like a huge part of ruling this a suicide. Okay. And he couldn't find that that Rourke Adams lady report. So he went and he asked police and he asked the medical examiner for a copy of that report and was told that he couldn't find it or that they couldn't find it or that it didn't exist. And then Dr. Rourke Adams was asked about it and she was like, she had no recollection of it, of the case. What? She said, and since there was no report and there was no bill for her services, that she probably never even saw the spinal cord. Who's bullshitting? <laughs> and she's like, I mean, there's a possibility I did, but I don't think I did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How do you not know? that you- because it, obviously it was either like not presented to her in a serious way or she, I don't know. Or she didn't do it. Somebody. They must Wait, have just, is she the one that said? She's or, the one who Osborne supposedly went to and was like, oh, look at this and make sure. Like, apparently yeah. he just like very lackadaisically oh, get, just maybe was like, like can you proofread my email? And then was like, okay, that's great. Uh, or I don't know. Something like that. It's just suspicious. Okay. So, over the next few years, Tom, the private investigator, brings several forensic pathologists on board, one of them being Dr. Wayne Ross. Um, The medical examiner's office still had a piece of Ellen's spinal cord, because, you know, they just travel with spinal cords everywhere they go, and Dr. Ross was able to examine it. And then in 2017, he concluded that her cranial cavity had been punctured, Something in your head. Yeah. And he said that the injury would have likely rendered her unconscious, which clearly would have prevented her from stabbing herself again. He also said that there was a mark on the front of her neck, which showed evidence that she had been strangled. Oh. He said the mark on her neck looked like it could have come from a fingernail. Like that. And there were multiple bruises on the side of her body consistent with repetitive beating. So Dr. Ross concludes that the evidence points to homicide. And then another detective weighs in who specializes in crime scene reconstruction. And he says blood pattern evidence that Ellen's body shows that Ellen's body had either been moved or repositioned after she died. Because photos from the scene show a trail of blood running horizontally from her nose to her ear. Well, I'm glad they took photos at least. I know. How are you gonna how are you gonna be sitting up like this and you got blood go all, go up? I think that defies the laws oh, of gravity. Oh yeah. Like if I'm like this, nothing. But remember so he propped her up. Remember whenever he said she was on her back originally? Mm-hmm. So that would make sense if he stabbed her, she's on her back, or he's like putting those little pricks in her back of her neck. Yeah. Yeah. And then at some reason she's on her back. That's why it drained to her ear and then he set her up. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But no, they're not going to use any of that. Oh. Because he's Goldberg. <sighs> okay. I wish that was my last name. I think we should change it. So, but guess what? Police still stick to the theory that she stabbed herself. And that she stabbed herself. I guess she is strong enough to go through her chest plate. Wow. And she just must have been standing, and then she slid to the floor, and then Sam never moved. Another year passes. Attorney General's office says that additional evidence was found which supports the suicide ruling, saying that the text between Ellen and her mom shortly before her death showed that she was in serious mental distress. And that the examination of Ellen's computer shows... Okay. They say that they examined her computer and that it showed um, related searches to... From like December 2010 to January 2011, with searches including phrases like painless suicide, which. Uh, 
that's not that's what she definitely did. not painless <laughs> and methods of suicide Mm-mm. come on and but listen the report from 2011 original report there was nothing found on the computers Oh, so and now change? they're saying that there's stuff on the computers. But remember, Sam's uncle is the one who actually took the computers. Yeah. So did he just like... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. Too many questions. So we're coming to today, and they are still trying to get this thing to... All her parents want to do is get uh, get it changed from suicide to like undetermined or homicide well you got to think about too like life insurance if it's suicide they don't always pay that out Mm. and so it's one thing if you know it's a suicide but if it's a homicide it's and they needed money to bury their daughter plus we changed our podcast name to first rewind (laughs) whatever that says i'm almost done so this is an update as far as February 2022. Literally yesterday. The other day. Greenberg, they have a new they have another new attorney and they said that new their attorney had uncovered new evidence last December in 2021. Okay. And that he provided it to the state attorney general's office to review and part of the evidence is the Deposition of a medical expert who re-examined part of the spinal tissue. So now they carry that Gosh. thing around. And they found interesting results. Now, this is all I have, and this is a quote, so you just got to go. What's significant here is that there's no hemorrhage, meaning you don't stab yourself when you're dead. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm assuming there wherever... Some some of those stab marks, it didn't. They didn't bleed or something. So, she, or she was already dead, and then. So some of the stab wounds happened after she was dead. Yeah. Yes. Because okay. there was no blood hemorrhage. I don't. I guess I would think you'd still bleed if you're dead. I don't know. I don't know. But the attorney general responded saying that. He thinks that the medical examiner misspoke and she gave the wrong answer. Shit. And so after reviewing the material and the facts um, that he still supported the other medical examiner's findings of suicide. I don't know how many medical examiners are here, but yeah, there's like 14. It's too many. So basically where we stand is there is a petition on change.org, which I already signed it, and it took like three seconds, and we'll put it in the show notes. Okay. And they're just trying to get a petition to where uh, they're having the a new governor. They're like elections in November, uh-huh. and this Shapiro guy is running for governor. I don't know if we want him or we don't. I'm thinking we do. But all I know is that you just need to go sign the petition to get her case reopened to at least, I mean, it's obvious it's not a suicide. It's not a suicide at all. And money rules everything. Yeah. And, Power rules and everything. And Sam is living his best life, and he's up in, like, New York with his wife and kids. His wife's name is Caroline. Oh, he got remarried? Oh, yeah. Sam's living his best life. When that wife turns up dead, then then they'll open up the case. Can you imagine if it got reopened and he's like, I mean, I just would, it needs to be. It, it was never Can even you imagine this Caroline for even marrying? Well, him. she probably wanted that Jewish money. Y'all, go and sign the petition. Yeah. Is this Philadelphia? I already, I already forgot her name. Green, I keep calling her Goldberg. Greenberg, Ellen Greenberg. Yeah. This is Philadelphia, right? Yes. This isn't even small town. Like, usually you get stuff like this from small town police departments. It's kind of sad. Okay. It, there's 150,000 signatures that are needed. Um, and... Josh Shapiro, the Pennsylvania Attorney General, is the only person with the power to reopen Ellen's case. 
Josh Shapiro has continuously refused to do so and even went as far as fabricating that the attorney general's office conducted a thorough investigation. Josh Shapiro is planning to run for governor of Pennsylvania in 2022. Our hope is everyone can persuade Josh Shapiro that he cannot sweep Ellen's case under the rug as he seeks a higher office. Please sign our petition to, uh, and please reach out to our Pennsylvania attorney general, Josh Shapiro and ask him to reopen the case. We should tweet it. These are the ways to do it. There's a hashtag is Justin, Justin. The hashtag is justice for Ellen. There's a Twitter page. There's a Facebook page. Justin for Ellen. Justin. I keep saying Justin. Justice. I have all of his all of his Twitter handles. It's at Josh Shapiro PA. That's his handle. And then there are so far 137,217 signatures. Wow. So we're like four away. Has to get to 150. Four. Away well, from 150? I mean, we're, we're like... You said 137,000? I know. I was making a joke. <laughs> okay. Because whenever I heard about this case in, like, December, they were, like, at 40,000. So now they're at 137,000. Oh, okay. So we're real close. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, like, 13,000 signatures away. Sign the petition. Tag Josh freaking Shapiro. I, I don't know if I could trust anybody with the last name Shapiro. So that's a little crazy, but... But so we want or him Ellen. to be the governor, even though he was. Well, I think that if we just tag him, then it'll at least light some fire up behind his ass. Josh Shapiro, S H A P I R O, like Janine, but it's Josh. I, I That's can't Janine with her. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I can't. Y'all, don't forget to go on. Great story. That was number two of. That was pretty quick. WT. That is a WTF. That is a WTF. And just wait till you see the picture of the stabbing. I mean, the 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 image of the. It's crazy. And how many wounds there were? Yeah. Stupid. I wonder how often suicide by stabbing even happens. Not often. That they all were saying it wasn't often. Yeah. Okay, y'all. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Go leave us a review, um, and then we will see you next week with the number another WTF that will make you say WTF. So all you're going to be saying all month WTF. Caroline, tell them not forget not to forget to stay aware, stay alive, and always be DTF. Bye, y'all. Peace out. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.